All right, hey folks, it's uh, the May Q&A part one, and I've hand-selected five questions to answer in this video. My plan for this month was to um, select a bunch of questions to answer over the course of the next few days, and also to turn one or two of the questions into full videos. Now, if that means your question doesn't get answered, then try asking it again next month. Um, I try to select as many which I feel will be applicable to the wider population. Now, if you really do want your question answered, I want to direct you to my Patreon, where I do a live Q&A like this, except live, every single week. And if you can't make it live, there is an opportunity to ask me a question before so you get an answer. So it's a live weekly Q&A on Patreon, as well as a bunch of other cool benefits. So check it out if you want more help. All right. And I would appreciate it as well, showing appreciation for my work. So thank you. Okay, so let's crack on with the first question. And I'm going to pop them up on the screen so we can all have a look at what the question is. So this is from Elsie. Now, Elsie is on my wizard program. And essentially, the crux of his question is he wants to know whether rather than adding more exercises, he is okay to just add more volume to an exercise that he likes to do. He works out at home, so he his equipment isn't as extensive as if he was working out in a gym, which is fine. Now, I think this actually points to an even bigger question, and that is adding more volume to exercises which you are suited to and you enjoy doing and which are productive for you. That's quite important. So as an example, traditionally, the bench press has always been very good for me. I've always gotten a lot from the bench press. Uh, the more I bench, particularly for sets of 10 to 12, the bigger I get. Um, so I really enjoyed the bench press, and it, it did a lot for me. Ironically, I wasn't really built to bench press, but um, it just built up the muscles in the right way. So I'm a big fan. So yeah, there's there's a very good, quick, easy sort of answer to this, and that is, yes, you feel free to add sets to the existing exercise that you can do and you enjoy. Now, the question really is, how do you add those sets? So if you're doing as much as six sets... I would recommend splitting that up into two parts. So doing three sets with a heavier weight, maybe sets of five to 10, and then following that up with three back off sets in the say 10 to 20 range. So having those as two almost separate sections, a five to 10 section and a 10 to 20 section. So those are what I would call back off sets. Now, you can also do the additional sets as down sets. So just pick your weight and start with a, say, 20 rep max and just carry on doing sets with that same weight until you hit a point where you can no longer get five and then do down sets. Uh, I did a video on that recently. And I wanted to point that out because there was at least two people in the comments who were confused about the difference between down sets and back off sets. One guy made the comment that you've said a lot about back off sets. And I'm like... <laughs> Maybe rewatch the video. <laughs> no offense, but the entire video is about down sets, um, not about back off sets. And so they are distinctly different things. Um, so it might be worth just understanding the difference between those two. Because if you're if you think down sets or back off sets, then you're misunderstanding the application. And as I'm pointing out to you, Elsie, you can do them as back off sets, three with a heavyweight three with a lighter weight. So that is what I was considered to be considered to be back off sets. Or you can do it in a more auto-regulated way. Start off with a higher up range, 
go down and add in the down sets as necessary as an auto-regulatory contingency for when your sets are about to drop off. So, yeah, I think it's a good question. And I think it, it fuels into the larger question of we need to find exercises which we respond well to and really pound the hell out of those for the sets that we think are appropriate. So that's the answer for that. Hopefully that was useful and good luck with your bench pressing. Okay, next question. Path says, hey Faz, can you please explain how to properly warm up for a top set back off set without affecting the top set, please? Okay. I know you made a video on this, but I'd appreciate if you could include the warm-ups. And he's right. I didn't actually say much about the warm-up during the video. I know I don't tend to discuss warm-ups that much. I suspect maybe it's another video that needs to be done. Now, I would say the best way to properly execute a top set back off set is <laughs> to not do a top set back off set but to do more volume <laughs> that's just my bias but anyway if you do insist on doing a top set back off set um here's how i'd warm up for any top set i would start with a weight that is very very light and get the blood into the muscle okay here's what i normally do i normally warm up with the first set with a very light weight and that could be as light as 30 percent of the weight I'm about to use, like very, very light, 20% even. I'll get some blood pumping. And as long as that set feels okay, I move up in weight. I will repeat the weight until it feels good. Usually this occurs for the first exercise of the day. So let's say I'm warming up for the hack squat. It's a common one. Hack squat, I'll do the empty machine. I'll do that for some sets, for some reps, maybe 20 reps. Now, if that set doesn't feel immediately good, I will do another set on that weight. This time, I might do just a few reps, and usually it feels better. My knees feel good, they feel smooth, everything feels good. And only when that weight feels good do I move up. So then I might put on a plate aside on the hack squat. And again, usually with the plate aside, because it's a new weight, my legs might feel a little bit icky, my knees might feel a bit creaky, Okay, so I do the set, maybe a set of 15, set of 20. And then I will put the weight down and I'll do another set with that weight. But this time it might only be five or six because I'm still working out the kinks. So as long as that feels good, usually by the second set on the same weight, my knees feel great, hips feel good. I'm like, okay, cool, I can move on. Add another plate on, okay? So this time, same thing again. Usually as I start to reach nearer the top weight, Assuming I'm warmed up correctly, I normally don't have any pain, but that's how I do it. I double up on my warm-ups, particularly for the first exercise. Now, when it comes to second, third, fourth exercises, I'm normally pretty good to just have one or two warm-ups and go for it. But in general, that's kind of my secret. I actually double up on warm-ups. And I don't know, maybe if I'm older, maybe when I'm older, I might triple up on warm-ups, I don't know. But basically, I will take the weight again and again until it feels okay. That's the key, I think, to warming up. Because I think too many people, they put the put they, they they lift the bar, feels like crap. They go up to one plate, still feels like crap. They go up to two plates, still feels like crap. And when they get to the working set, it still feels like crap. And so they're thinking, oh, I, I've not warmed up correctly. I don't feel warm. Like, well, yeah, because every set you did felt awful. But they think, well, I... I went through the sets. I did my 20, 40, 60, 80 kilos. But um, if they all feel bad, then don't go up. Only go up when the, when the weight feels good. That's a real key thing to remember. And um, 
I mean, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think it's common sense, but I suppose some people don't know that because you see people warming up and they're rushing through their warm-ups to get to the main set. They're trying to conserve energy. And I think it's particularly true for that style of training, the whole top set, back off set. A lot of those guys will conserve energy. So by the time they get to the top set, everything hurt. They're still not warmed up properly. They don't have a pump. They never really get pumped. They're always focused on progression. Um, and they're just trying to eke out as many reps as possible, but they're never really warmed up. So they can never really connect with the muscles. Like I know for me, I need to get nice and pumped up before I'm ready to approach my first working set. I take my time. But the advantage is, usually after the first exercise, I'm pretty warmed up and good to go. And again, I don't stop and rest or talk very much between sets. I just keep pounding it out for an hour. So yeah, that's that's my full explanation there for warm-ups, and that's how I would do things. Now, I'm not going to be able to dumb it down for you to say, do three warm-ups. So if you're looking for generic advice like that, it, it's, it's supposed to be more individual than that. Okay, I, I think it's a bit silly when people say, do three sets of 10 to warm up. As you can tell, it's more individual, particularly because some exercises you'll need more warm up. If it's the first exercise of the day, if it's a bigger exercise, if it's a body part which you feel a bit unsecure about, like knees, for example. So, but the, the key thing is you have to auto regulate the warm ups. So, if the weight isn't feeling great, yeah, if your knees ache, if your elbows ache, if your shoulders don't feel good, take the weight again. <laughs> Only only take your main set once everything feels good. By the time you get to your final warm-up, everything should feel amazing. If it doesn't, go back and warm up again. Okay. All right, Path, hopefully that was useful and um, informative. All right, Rook says, Rook is basically asking about what the best way is to diet off the last two or three kilos. Now, <laughs> He did get a reply from Ollie who said calorie deficit. And yeah, obviously, you know, it is. You're right. But um, one thing you said to me, which kind of was a bit of a spoke in the, uh, the wheel, you said, I've got three weeks to vacation. I want to have abs visible. I mean, <laughs> my answer for the last two or three kilos is to do it slowly. That's the answer. Um, so you've kind of asked for something which is going to be opposite the answer. I always say, if you've only got a few kilos left to lose, do it slowly. You can go fast at the beginning. You don't go fast at the end. <laughs> you go fast at the beginning. Um, I mean, I don't really know how lean you want to get. You said, I've got two or three kilos. I want to have abs visible on the beach. Now, if you don't have visible abs right now, you're not going to be shredded in three kilos. Like. You get abs first, and then you get shredded afterwards. Um, that's very. Maybe your definition of shredded is not what the common definition. Like def, shredded for me would be eight percent body fat on stage body fat, basically. Fifteen percent is where you start to see your abs. So if you can't even see your abs, you're not anything close to being shredded. You're probably eighteen to twenty percent. But that's not what you're asking. You're asking, how would I get rid of two or three kilos? If you truly are um, 18 to 20%, you can probably go quite fast. If you're really, if this is really the last two or three kilos before you're shredded, then I think you need to take it a lot slower. I imagine though, from the way you're asking the question, you probably are more like 18, 20% and you probably can't see your abs at all. In that case, yeah, go fast. I would say you can, if you're that far out 
from stage shape, you could definitely create a large deficit of mostly protein and um, vegetables and very little else and really shred the fat down in two, three weeks. If you're, if you're that far out, it's okay to do that. You're not going to lose muscle with that approach. So make sure you keep your training heavy. Keep it fairly low volume. And by heavy, I mean heavy for the right rep range. Okay, heavy for that rep range, an appropriate rep range. Um, keep cardio, eh, whatever you can stand. I mean, more cardio, the better to a certain extent. I, I'm talking about the, if it's two or three weeks, okay? If it's three weeks, then in general, you can't overdo the cardio in three weeks. Like no one's going to overdo cardio in three weeks time. It's when you, it's when you do too much cardio for a long 20 week prep when you're almost shredded, that's when people lose muscle. But right now, if you're trying to do a quick burst for three weeks, yeah, go to a PSMF, mostly protein, mostly vegetables, do a lot of cardio. You can strip a lot of fat off in three weeks if you're disciplined. That is, that is it. And I'd also say you, there's nothing wrong with being vain. <laughs> if you, I mean, why else do we lift? You know, we lift for aesthetic reasons as well as health. Most people that I know, they really just want to look good. Most people aren't that interested in being strong. Most people aren't that interested in being healthy. They're mostly interested in looking good. You know, it's just the honest truth of it. So nothing wrong with being vain. Um, I think your question, it lacks a little bit of the details that I would need to give you a full analysis if you're a client of mine. But from the surface, what I can tell is you probably don't have visible abs because you've said you want them visible. So you're probably like 18% body fat. If it's three kilos at that body fat level, you can really push yourself hard. So go for it. Good luck and enjoy your holiday. Right. Um, Sinak says, <laughs> what is the most difficult part of working with clients? Yeah. Exercise wise. What exercise do you feel you correct the most for clients over the most client over clients? Yeah. Basically, he's asking, which is the most problematic exercise that I have to spend time correcting. Almost always, it's a squat. And I'll show you some examples of this. So I'm coaching this girl right now, uh, Rachel. Shout out to Rachel if she's listening. Um, Rachel has had various PTs over the years, like in-person PTs, one-to-one -one PTs. She came to me not being able to squat at all. And she had had PTs for a couple of years. And they had all told her the same story. Your squat's fine. Just keep squatting, keep adding weight to the bar. She was squatting. She's a small, she's a petite little blonde. Um, and she was squatting up to like a 90 to 100 kilos, way above her body weight. But the squats were just quarter squats. So the PTs were all telling her, yeah, you're doing great. She was doing the exercises all wrong. And as a result of that, she was getting knee pain, back pain. She wasn't getting the development she desired. But... The PTs were like, yeah, you're doing great. They kept taking the money. Basically, while she hasn't got an ego, they were stroking her ego and they were just saying to her, you're doing great and just taking the money. Now, let's do some quick maths, okay? So let's say she was paying 30 pounds per session, so per week for a PT. And she did that for a couple of years. 30 quid per week, a couple of years is roughly 100 weeks. It's three grand, 3,000 pounds spent and pretty much wasted. That's what I'm up against. I'm up against two years 
of misinformation, poor training practices, which I managed to fix in about three or four weeks with her. She's now up to the point where she's squatting exactly what she was previously, except she's going all the way down and she can actually see development because of that. Her, her glutes, legs are all better developed now and she, she can understand the difference. That's what I'm up against mostly. It's never clients per se. Clients are, I mean, they're, clients are usually enthusiastic, willing to learn. They're monetarily involved, of course. So that helps. But um, in general, it's never the clients. What I'm, what I'm really battling against is the mountain of misinformation out there. In the case of most women who come to me with these issues, it's, they've usually been told the wrong thing by usually male PTs who just keep taking the money every month um, unscrupulously and offering just a pat on the back and a well done and no real results of which they're so easily fixable if you actually spend some time with these people. As I say, fix the squat in probably three or four weeks, I think it was, and she's prospering now with less knee pain, less back pain, and just stronger overall. So yeah, that's the main thing. I think with guys, there's less of the misinformation. It's more ego. <laughs> if I can, if I can broadly generalize, with guys, I think it's more ego. Um, yeah, a lot of guys won't want to accept that they are actually just one or two plate squatters when they've been used to having three or four plates on the bar. They mentally they find it hard to accept. So they come to me. They're squatting three or four plates. They're not going anywhere near the depth. Their legs aren't, they, their legs don't reflect the development of somebody who supposedly squats three or four plates. You tell them to get deeper, tell them to get deeper still. And in the end, they end up with a, with a, a plate aside squat, maybe one and a half plates, which is fine because they can build up usually quite quickly. But it's that initial shock because it's the realization I, I've just spent all this time wasting my time a lot of the time. Um, so no matter how open minded you are, that's quite a large realization. And I just hope that my clients understand that it puts me in a difficult position too. If, if the client isn't open-minded, it puts me in a very difficult position to communicate this because I, because I'm not a scumbag piece of shit, I have to tell the client, this is not the right way to do things for you and your long-term progress. So, my morals don't allow me to just carry on like the train of PTs and fitness influencers who've told this guy or girl, yeah, you're doing great. Carry on doing your half squats, go up to six plates aside and wreck your back forever. Because I actually have some morals, I have to be the one to stop that train and go, hey, no, we need to actually do this right. Um, but hopefully that my clients understand I'm doing it for their benefit. But uh, yeah, it's, it's definitely the squat. And um, as I say, it's never usually the client I'm up against years sometimes of misinformation from other sources um, but yeah it's almost certainly the squat but you know once a lot of those mental barriers are down it's actually very easy to coach um, it's not hard there are things we can do you know box squats all that kind of stuff I think the deadlift is potentially also another one but uh, ironically with the deadlift you kind of do the reverse you if somebody doesn't have a very good position off the floor with the deadlift you raise the bar so you actually purposely do a, a um, partial range of motion because that strengthens the back in that range. And then you slowly put the weight, 
the um, you slowly increase the range, and they're able to maintain a better back position when the range is uh, longer. So for the deadlift, it's ironically a reverse situation. Um, you can have somebody doing partial deadlifts, but just ensure the back position is correct, and you drill their back with that good range of motion because it's easier to hold the back position from a partial range than it is to hold the back position from a longer range. Particularly when you've got big guys and bending over in that position can be quite difficult. Um, it's easier to get them to do to it's easier to get them to um, replicate a good back position from a slightly elevated bar. So you'll often see that's what I do with with people if I'm drilling their back form. I'll often have them doing trap bar deadlifts with higher hang, with higher handles, partial deadlifts on the rack. And then over time, when we get strong enough on that, then we'll move the bar down and they're better able to replicate the position because they've been drilling that back position for so long. So yeah, squats and deadlifts are the big ones. Aside from that, um, yeah, I mean, the bench occasionally, yeah, I'm trying to think. Occasionally the bench. Usually it's because the elbows go super wide because they've been listening to the whole Vince Garanda, you know, neck benching thing, which is just going to wreck the shoulders in the long term. Not something that most people need to be doing at all, really, if ever. So, um, yeah, I'd say squats and deadlifts um, for those reasons. Okay. Next question, which I think is the last one. Okay. Ahmad Arabi says, Hi, Faz. About your intraset rest video, your thoughts on rest pause or my reps for small muscle groups like arms or shoulders. So basically what Ahmad's questioning is, I did the video on intraset rest periods to say have consistent rest periods, but there is also a large body of evidence to say that actually purposely increasing rest periods within a set can be better. So it's an interesting question. Now, I think at the heart of it, we have to remember that in that intraset rest video, I did mention if you are specifically employing techniques like rest pause and Maya reps, and there's a reason for it, then it's fine. Like that's fine. There are there for a purpose. But both it sounds like a contradiction, but both are generally quite good. The problem is, you see, with straight sets, people are trying to add reps to the straight set by increasing rest periods. So it gets done in a very haphazard way. When it comes to rest pause, it's a very definite system. It's like it's quantified. A rest pause is normally a quantified rest period of say 30 seconds or five deep breaths, you know, the usual kind of thing. So it's quantified. The big problem with intraset rest periods is they're not quantified. So as I said in the intraset rest period video, I don't actually mind what rest period you take. Just make sure the rest periods are consistent. Now, my preference is to rest for a split second, steady myself, and go on. I, I will stop, lose momentum, and go on to the rep. And that's maybe a split second to a second. That's my personal preference. And for straight sets, I feel that's generally a good standard. When it comes to rest pause, have a standard. I think the problem isn't in the specific rest periods you use. Either is fine. The problem is in the haphazard and chaotic use of rest periods. So if you're just using the rest periods to get more reps, there's no consistency. There's no repeatability. There's no way of knowing you've progressed from week to week. So my preference for the intraset rest periods is to keep them short, keep them consistent, and just do more volume if you can. And that might involve doing a rest pause. It might involve putting the bar down, 
resting 20 seconds, taking up again, doing that again. But the point is it's controlled, it's quantifiable, so it's safer, it's more repeatable, and you can actually judge whether you're progressing or not. That's the point. So I think maybe you're you're trying to look at it from a physiological point of view. It's more basic than that. It's not about physiology. It's it's bodybuilding. It's not that complicated, right? It's putting stress on the muscle. What it's more about in this case is keeping safe, ensuring your progression is repeatable and quantifiable. That's what it's more about. So whatever your rest periods are, whether they're a split second for your regular sets, whether they're 20 seconds, whether they're 30 seconds, keep them consistent so you know whether you're progressing or not. Right, folks, hopefully that was an interesting Q&A. And as I say, I tried to make pick the questions which were the most applicable for everyone. And um, yeah, I'll just signpost again. The Patreon, it's working out pretty well. Like people get a Q&A every single week. And right now there aren't that many people on there. So you'll get your question answered, guaranteed. Uh, and I'll answer every single question on there. So go check it out. You get that. You get Discord access. You also get a freebie every Friday or something else. And there's a bunch of other stuff there which you get included in the price. So go check it out, show your support. Other than that, I would appreciate any likes, comments, subscribes, all that good stuff. And I'll see you in the next one.